Welcome to a new episode of Like a Real Book Club, a podcast from Rebel Women Lit, where we talk about books and just about everything else. I'm Jorine. I'm Christina. And I'm Ashley. So we haven't done an episode in a very long time, and that's fine because if you're listening to this years later, you probably won't even notice. And, you know, there's a global pandemic going on, so I'm not going to try to stress about trying to put out episodes every other week. So... Yeah, thank you for still subscribing and thanks to all the new subscribers who are joining us and all the new people who have joined Rebel Women Lit during this pandemic. Uh, Yeah, so we are recording this in, what month are we in? In September. We're recording this in September, right? And we're reading N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season and I haven't started yet. It is the 21st of September as we're recording. And I know quite a few people in book club have either started it or finished it. And quite a few people have read it twice already for the month. And I haven't started. Have you guys started? Who are these fantastic people who are finishing and reading again? I would like to meet them. I mean, you will when you come to book club. (laughs) Yeah, I actually did start. I started it um, maybe a week ago. Um, I haven't made a big dent yet because enough things, life in general. But I have started. I'm actually excited to read it. Um, I don't read a lot of fantasy um, or what would you call that sort of genre? Well, all right, let's see with that fantasy. I haven't read much fantasy, so I'm pretty excited to go into this one. I haven't started reading it yet. Um, I haven't even tried to start reading it. I don't know. I'm not too... I don't read a lot of the fantasy dystopian-type books. I don't know why. I just It's just not really something I like to read, to be honest. So I'm not, and I, I'm judging the book by its cover. I'm not really excited to read it. That's just, that's just my truth right now. Um, but yeah, two things. Didn't you want us to do a podcast episode on dystopian books? Or was it Christina? I don't no, think it would have been me. Actually. It was me? Oh, it wait, that would be Didn't I not follow up? <laughs> we are a fourth person here. <laughs> did I not follow it up by saying I haven't read a lot of dystopian books, though? I have. I did say that. I don't remember, oh. but this, it was you. I don't know. I mean, I want to get into um, it, but I just haven't been able to. Oh, Sorry, I, I said what I needed. So I was going to say that I, I wanted. Is it because we're living in a dystopian world? I mean, maybe, but that genre in general for books don't grab me. I I don't know what it is. Maybe I should should give it another chance, but... I hear the audiobook for it is really, really good. Really? I haven't tried it yet. Maybe that's... Maybe I should should um, listen to it. I saw a lot of people... I saw a lot of reviews where people are like, they listen to the audiobook instead of reading it. Um, and they were they were good. The only complaints I saw was that they were just like a lot of characters. So people are just like, I can't remember all the characters' name. I hope to spell them. But I hear the audiobook is really good. So I may I may actually listen to the audiobook or do like a half and half thing. 
with the audio and the physical book. Still okay. thinking about whether I want to get into audiobooks. It's mostly because of my own ability to concentrate while listening to um, anything. My mind usually wanders, which makes it really difficult to to keep going. Like I feel like I always have to go back and go back. So I'm really anxious about trying audiobooks, even though I've seen how they've been really good for people. So maybe I should try it. I don't know. And I'm literally the opposite. Yeah, I remember you were you were um when we were reading Girl Woman Other and you were listening to it via um the audiobook, you were definitely raving about how good it was and how you liked that. Um what I was gonna add was that I remember seeing some critique of dystopian novels um a couple of years ago i think and i can't remember exactly what it was but it was really about how when white people write dystopian books it's really just the reality of so many people especially people with um, different marginalized identities especially black people especially black queer people and I found that very interesting. And I'm wondering if maybe subconsciously that turned me off a little to dystopian novels. But then that was before um, I came into the fact that, hello, black people also wrote dystopian books. So maybe try reading them instead of the white ones. I wouldn't say instead of. I'd say just read it alongside it. Uh, because it's good to have that contrast for me dystopia was my was my favorite genre in high school i read and like mostly dystopian books and dystopian fantasy books and i didn't quite realize how how much it needed critique until i started reading dystopian books from authors who weren't american authors who weren't white even authors who weren't male. Um, so it's good to have that, um, and that, whether a direct or indirect response. So I think it's always good to keep reading widely. And I think that's one of my fears with um, communities like Rebel Women, that communities generally where people get really passionate about reading a type of narrative that sometimes it's it's tempting to only stay in that narrative. I think it's always good to read and compare and contrast. So for me, reading, um, I, I just finished reading Daylight Come uh, by Diana McClaw. I, I freaking can't pronounce her last name. Diana McCauley. And... It's it's always refreshing for me to read a dystopian novel that's based in the Caribbean, especially because you just don't get that perspective. But also understanding that a lot of Caribbean writers, not necessarily a critique of this book, but just generally a lot of Caribbean writers can end up writing the same narrative over and over. So... Yeah, I, I like having a wide variety of books that critique and respond to each other. It's just, it's just like people. You can't have people saying the same things over and over. It becomes a weird echo chamber. So it's nice to hear things, even if you don't like them or agree with them, just for a, a refreshing, a palate cleanser, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, I think what happens, um, 
again, like you mentioned, especially with a club like Rebel Woman Lit, is that uh, for so many of us who have been reading for a long time, because we've been reading one type of book for most of our lives, for whatever reason, because it was the only thing that was available to us, um, or because we just never know any better being a part of a community like Rebel Women, it's like jumping from one extreme to the next. Obviously not that it's a bad thing at all, but Mm -hmm. jumping from one extreme to the next and then you kind of, I don't know, you kind of get stuck into it. One, the books are great for the most part. Usually much better. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, "Mm, do I really want to go back to that? Um, So you kind of, as you mentioned, rightfully, you kind of... um, you leave a lot a lot out of your perspective. Um, the other books might not necessarily be great. And as you said, it's really good for, I think, sharpening your critical skills and your critical lenses. But then some of the books might actually turn out to be pretty good. And you would have missed that because you decided not to. Yeah, um, I, think, I think I've become a bit of a book snob in all honesty and uh, well I feel like you shouldn't it there's there's a space for the snobbery um and let me explain that in terms of not continue to give books that always get a lot of attention more attention I think uh, I've really been like I had I have on blinders when it come on to selecting books that I read now and I'm way more choosy when it comes on to books and I just have like a list of things that I'm looking for before I even engage in the the narrative and uh, I find that I haven't read a book by a man in a really long time (laughs) a fiction book by a man in a really long time or any sort of like poetry or anything like that and I don't know if I feel bad about it to be honest but it's it's true but I've been I've been having the urge to read more non-fiction and I find that that is that's a genre not not a genre but that's like dominated or you find a lot of men writing non-fiction books and so I guess I'll start reading men again but I just I mean even like when I see my friends or like my mom reading a book and I ask them what's it about I'm just immediately bored when they start telling me. I feel bad about that. I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad about it. So I'm working through it because it feels a little judgy. Wow. It feels a little judgy. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you saying wow, Christina? Just the immediately bored part. <laughs> like imagine somebody's telling you about this book that they're reading and all you're doing is yawn, girl. <laughs> Because I feel like they can do better, that's all. But they're just not reading the books that I'm reading, and that's okay. You can't shove a book down somebody's throat and say, read this because I think it's good. You oh, know? I do it all the time. <laughs> I, have a, I have a club that does that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there are some books that it's okay to shove it down people's throats. I, I think so too. Like that's me and as, fresh water. So, I shove it down everybody. Yes, you throat. do. I need, you I need everybody to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, don't tell me if you hate it. If you don't like it, don't tell me. Just keep that negativity to yourself. As someone who's a snob in almost everything that I do, um, 
I, I'm okay with that because I think it's just my personal standards. If someone else doesn't want to have standards, that's up to them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, though, it's just balancing that well, understanding that my standards may is someone else just has a very different grade for themselves. And, you know, not all of us can see the light. That's fine. Um, that's true. But then that's, that's my truth. Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) I I see you, sis. I see you. (laughs) But really, though, I I, I think for me, it's just always, and if you've been around me long enough, you must hate this word. It's just being more deliberate with everything. It's just, if it is that I want to be deliberate about reading books that, are published in a particular year, published by a particular publishers, by coming from a particular region. And it's just, this is what I, I want to read more high fantasy books. I want to read more memoirs or whatever it is. Yo, there, there's a limited amount of days on this planet and a lot of books. So read what you, read what you want. Like, yeah. Don't we have merch that says that? Or merch to we come? Should. We should. I'm realizing every day that I'm not very tuned in to the what would you I call it? I have no clue what's going on. Recent mm-hmm. lingo. I just out here not knowing. Yeah, I, I still don't even know where Brogad comes from. If I'm being honest, I know it's some song. I I don't think I've heard the song. I actually no. remember that, but I don't think it's a song. Well, I don't remember it being associated with a song. I remember oh, it's not a song. I remember it was some conversation. Um, some guy had messaged another guy. Um, I think he had said hi. And the guy who was responding said, um, man, not for say hi to the next man. Um, then the guy said, how should, I, how should I have messaged you? And I think the other guy responded, bro, God, or something like so. It was, it's within that realm. That's how oh, that boy. started. Yeah. That's how it became popularized, if I remember so much of Jamaican culture is grounded in man no fise yeah. to next man or man no do to next man. So much of our culture. That's 100% true. But just to comment on the bro God thing, you know, this is why I feel like we're destined to be together. Like we just have like this, this, I don't know. We just, we just complete. Yeah, no, I was going to say complete each other. But I don't know. That's corny, but I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, elections just came and went here in Jamaica and the bro God thing was all over and Andrew Holness has fully picked that up and that's his thing and whatever. But I was thinking to myself, I have no idea where this thing came from. What the hell is bro God? And why is it that the prime minister has decided to to um, hmm, capitalize on this phrasing, this saying? It's just... Because he's a cool prime minister, you know. I mean, okay, I'm, I know the, I know the, cool like that. I get the, I know, I wasn't really, sorry, I get that. I know, I guess he's trying to appeal to the youth and stuff. But just in terms of, um, I just don't know. It just, it's just, it's just very strange to me where the hell this thing came from. Because it's the Obama <laughs> effect. It's the, it's the Obama effect. The cool imperialist. The I don't know if it's an Obama effect though. I think we've always had that in Jamaica. The when it when when it came up, it, it reminded me so much of the Joshua thing with Manly. Mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's just that Bro God is so much cooler than, <laughs> than Joshua. 
but it, it, it's the same thing for me yeah. it's it's the same effect it's the it's instead of being the savior he's just cool i get it i guess i was thinking more in the realm of them trying to stay down to earth and keeping their ear to um pop culture or what's popular within their state at the moment like i'm mm-hmm. thinking about um when obama started doing the the um his summer playlist and and the books his favorite books for the year right and having different rappers and so on come to the white house well andrew if you want us to publish your favorite books for the year we are here you can contact us at how much about myself becoming by michelle yeah. obama will be on it you know actually i had I, I i don't know i don't know you think so yeah i do i don't see it i don't think so i, I don't know i, I think like that would be on if uh, you asked like a, a woman politician yeah I just that's what I, I was gonna say i was gonna I, say I or maybe he puts like it on for diversity that. yeah i feel like it's popular enough for him to be honest it's popular enough for him to be on it for it for him for it to be on it i definitely think a barat bio would be on his book list yeah but it's 2020 exactly. it would still be there i don't know still be there what 2020 books would andrew holness be reading i you know i think orlando patterson's book would make the list um you know, nigel maybe. clark actually blurbed it really yeah so. okay fan girl <laughs> I am such a fan girl. I'd actually be way more interested in what Nigel Clark know, is reading. I know. Because he actually reads. Uh, I should not say that. That's going to be mean and say how much you bet me he, Andrew Holness would put the Holy Bible on his, his um, book list. For ah! Oh my God. He so would. He so would. Ah! That is definitely King James Version. <laughs> like the people who told him, bro, God, are probably like, you know, like cut it. No, 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 no. Don't put that on it. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I think Orlando Patterson would be on it. Um, there would probably be like a few, maybe a political memoir, maybe. Oh, I which was one come out recently? Just say the one most recent one was PJ's. Would be on it. Even though it's not, it's not a twenty twenty book though. Yeah, it'd probably right. be PJ's. Yeah. I, I think yeah. he put PJ yeah. on it. I think he would also put Christopher Tufton's book on it, which mm-hmm. I. Mm-hmm. I started reading it. I don't see him putting um, that on it, no to comment. be honest. <laughs> the cover is nice, I mean, though. remember, he doesn't have to necessarily read it, but I oh, think it I, would be on Of course. Because it. it's nice. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. Yeah. I, okay, I guess. Um, so even if you never read it. I'm probably like a few other academic books that come out. Um, yeah, I'm thinking in some terms sort of, of international... Um, some book about international foreign part well not did i just say international foreign mm-hmm. policy take off the international and just say foreign policy um some book about uh, i'm trying to remember the one that obama put out some months ago maybe it was last year where he had books about surveillance um new capitalism or some shit like that i feel like those sorts of books would be on andrew's list I think to jazz it up, he might add uh, like These Ghosts Are Family or some other um, Jamaican release for this year. Yeah, I could see that. 
you know what? If you want me to write your list of books for you, I will do that. I'm, I'm willing to offer that service. I am totally you definitely sure this. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we could, and maybe we, that's a series that we could do of like, like a a parody thing of either what they would listen, what they would write. Why as. parody though? Why not just ask them? Okay, we could also do that. That could be interesting. What are, the books? what are the top five books that you've read? But do you mean like thinking about thinking about the kind of books that um politicians would read? Yeah, or public figures would read, or theorizing around what books? Yeah, and that's why I said kind of parody because it's like based. It's based on what we know them who they are. So it's it's based on their their public persona, mm-hmm. and that's that's why I said parody. But I mean, I, I'm not supposed to asking them either. What books do you think Shansia would read? Ooh, okay. Mm. Um, we're going to need more wine by Gabriel Union. I could say that. Maybe. Yeah, I think she'd like that. I feel like she'd probably like Here Comes the Sun too. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for reasons. For reasons. <laughs> um, maybe some Talia Hibbert. Yeah, I think she liked Talia Hibbert. She has a fun personality. Like Shensia seems seems to have a fun personality. So I yeah. think she'd like um fun books. Whatever that means. What about like uh, a book with a badass uh, woman main character like my sister the serial yeah. killer or something like that something that is just oh gosh yes yeah. i can totally see her liking that i need to finish that book i started listening how did you it. not finish it i feel like i started listening to the oh you're listening thing. to it no i'm mixing it up with um evelyn hugo sorry oh i love that book. i know you do i need it's, to it's, it's honestly it. one of my f- favorite books of all like can you hear it in my voice yeah we can i, can. So <laughs> I did not expect to love it at all because when i was looking at it i was like oh, no, it's a white woman okay but i was like okay i need a book with a bisexual character and this keeps on coming up okay then i read it and i felt so deeply in love with it it's such a beautiful story and okay, so fine. unexpected i love it so much i lent a copy to shanice like Two years ago, I don't get it back yet. And worst part is, I don't think she started, and I don't want to take it from her because I want her to read it. Yes. So, <laughs> Hopefully, she listens to this episode. Shots fired. You hear her but, like, I, like, I want to ask her back for it, but I'm like, I want her to read it as well. It, it's one of those books. It's one of those books I would like, I'm gently trying to get everybody to read. <laughs> But I can not I can see the resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's so beautiful. I love it so much. And I hope right. I, when I do reread it, I, I still feel the same way. Fine, I'll finish it. Jeez. <laughs> but it is it's a really nice story. It's a really nice touching story. Um My Sister the Serial Killer is on the other spectrum. It's also a nice story, but it's not touching at all. It's hilarious uh, and that's weird what I heard. and it's hilarious and it, it's like in the same vein as if Killing Eve was a comedy. It's not? Yeah. <laughs> Joking. It's not. Yeah. Um, which books do you think Spice would read? Like, what would be on her top five books? Hmm. 
I definitely think that she'd like something steamy, something messy, something with a lot of drama. Stay with me. Yeah, she would have probably like that, you know. I Especially think she would like pirate. stay with me. Yeah, so messy. yeah, she'd like that. She'd definitely like. Um, that. hmm. She'd probably like some Talia too. I think she'd like Talia. I think she'd also probably like Queenie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I can actually see her cussing out Queenie. Yeah. <laughs> oh I yeah. Hear, like love hate Queenie. Yeah. Right? Like I wanted that eat it. Yeah. And I feel like the cover would be interesting yeah. enough for her to actually grab it and be like, hmm, what is this book about? It looks good. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. if we can recommend it to her. It's probably like, hey, Spice, <laughs> you love this book. Good. What about Janine? Mm-hmm. I feel like she's, I don't know, I just feel like she only reads nonfiction for some reason. She just seems serious. Really? Yeah. I just feel like you know. Like, I actually don't get that serious vibe from her. I mean, like I feel like I see that in her pictures, but then when she starts talking, yeah, it's like, oh, you're just like all my friends with resting bitch face. You're actually <laughs> quite a sweetheart. <laughs> I get, I get, yeah, you. I get you. But you know, like I don't know. I guess I'm just drawn to those type of people, anyways. Like the the like women that look like that, mm-hmm. but. Something about her is just so comforting and grounding mm-hmm. for me. Like I was listening to an episode that she did, with, like a podcast episode with um, Isis for I posterity. Like, oh, I love yeah, that it's such a good episode. It's such a good podcast too. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to this, go listen to For Prosperity. It's amazing. Um, but she did an episode with Isis Samaj and Isis Samaj Hall, and I was like, oh yeah. This is exactly how I thought you would be. <laughs> She's just very down to earth and sweet, but not like too sweet, you know, just the right amount of comfort mm. that you need. So, you know, like if an earthquake was happening, she's the voice you'd want to hear to tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be okay. Be yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's, it's not the patronizing type of sweetness. It's just a very, yeah, level calm we're gonna be fine we'll get through this um what i like about her a lot and why i think she where or i commented on her being serious was it wasn't anything like negative it was just that she has a very high level of like a like her sense of self is i think higher than the average person and so she just i think she really took the time to know herself and to figure herself out and who she is and uh, um, I appreciate that. And she just, she just, I don't know, she just, you know, the little, you know, what am I even trying to say? She just, she just do her thing and in her own way. The books I think she'd like, I think she yeah. would be, or read, I think she would read Asata Shakur's memoir or autobiography, sorry. And I think she'd also like um, mm-hmm. At All History of Sugar. I don't know something about mm, yeah i can yeah. see that maybe even how to love like i can see that too. i think she'd like that as well i think she would like um christina book freshwater i can see her getting into that i love how we dubbed it christina's book <laughs> it's christina book i don't know who's a quirky <laughs> Like, who are they? Like, who are they? 
Rather, it's more like a quake and Christina book yep. or a quake with Christina. The they don't even understand yes. that I'm out here promoting yeah. their book more than their actual editors and publishers. They, they don't, don't know understand. that. They don't know. Yeah. They actually messaged, well, responded to me today because I, for the September novelty box thing mm-hmm. made the tea and I wanted to send them the tea and I messaged because the original email I had for them when Freshwater just came out it was a different publisher so it's a different email so I emailed the new publisher and I've been emailing them for quite some time now and I get to them I was like all right let me just message them on Instagram and they're like yes please I'm, like, I'm always like I'm never sure how a quake is going to respond to stuff right time they respond it's always the sweetest thing they're like yes oh my god you guys are my faves and I'm like what you're my fave no what are you doing but the same way the same way Akweke has that vibe where it's like a very serious and as you said Ashley like knowing themselves mm-hmm. and taking that time well, I feel like Janine is in that same vein where mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. yeah don't fuck with me but at the same time they're like complete sweethearts so yeah I could see them with fresh water. And I think home going is something that Janine would really like as well, especially just the story of family and family throughout the generations coming from Ghana to well to the US in Homegoing's case. So yeah. Speaking of homegoing, so a book that I've actually been reading is She Would Be King. I started reading it a couple weeks ago. It started a little slow for me, but I'm really liking it. Have you guys read it? I mean, it was on the book list last year. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It really was. <laughs> no, I actually haven't read it, but um, I plan to eventually, someday. <laughs> so read it, yeah. You so read it. Ooh, plug, plug, plug. Please don't right? plug it because I barely use that Instagram. <laughs> I, I've learned and read it. I liked the, I think the two thirds of it. Yeah, actually, like you said, it started slow. I actually liked the first third or because it's divided into three. I remember liking the first two stories and then the, by the third one, I was like, mm, I don't know. But I'm really looking forward to, because that's their debut. And the mm-hmm. second book they have is a memoir that just came out earlier this year. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to read, read the memoir, but I'm looking forward to the next fiction. Well, that's an interesting that direction. I don't, well, I don't know much about, what would you call it, authors and how authors write and whatever. But I don't think I've ever heard of an author it's writing very their rare. debut, then going to writing a memoir. It's rare. But yeah. yeah. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm. What's it about? Tell people who haven't read it because oh. I barely remember it. I remember uh, a lot of strange magic. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's based on three three characters, three persons um, who have divine or supernatural powers. Um, <clears throat> it tells the story of their lives. So it starts in. 
was this in Liberia or did they end? Yes, it starts in Liberia, then it goes to Virginia, then it goes to Jamaica, and it's during the time, um, the period of enslavement. So it's tracking these persons with these very supernatural powers. And when they eventually meet up, and apparently them meeting up will lead to them doing some sort of liberation work in modern-day Liberia, which was Monrovia back then. But yeah, that's that's the gist of it. That was my excellent summarizing skills right there. Great job. 10 out of 10 would recommend. I've been m- moving away from using Goodreads. So I'm Why? trying to figure out. Um, so I've been using Goodreads for probably a decade. I don't know. On and off. Most recently through Rebel Woman Lit, I've been tracking it. But honestly, besides the fact that Goodreads is owned by Amazon and they're always trying to push you to buy more books on Amazon and all of these horrible things that Amazon does, blah, 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 blah. And Goodreads is such a lazy platform. Goodreads has not updated since it started Mm -hmm. i think they just did like a tiny thing to their mobile app Mm -hmm. two years ago and that was it i find it so lazy and i find reading culture especially since reading has its own subsets on tumblr on twitter on instagram it's progressed and goodreads just decides to them now move so i found an alternative and i've been loving it since and It'd actually be nice to talk to the person who found it. So we can probably do it. So it's called Storygraph. So it's still in beta now. but So you can go to beta.thestorygraph.com. And you can actually transfer all of your Goodreads books over. And what I really, really, really like about Storygraph is it's a place for data nerds. I'm actually realizing why she called it graphs now. There's a lot of graphs in there that I really love. So I can go in and look at my reading profile and all my stats, and it breaks down what I've been reading just from something as simple as how many fiction versus nonfiction books I've read for the year to the type of moods for the books. So... I've only read two books this year that could be considered funny, whereas I've read 65 books this year that can be considered challenging and 46 books that can be considered reflective. Things like that. The most. And like they break down the pace of your books. So most of the books I read are medium paced and like. Uh, only a small amount are fast-paced. It breaks down how many books I read in terms of page count. And they're they're because it's still in beta. Um, they're adding content warnings. So if there are any trigger warnings in books that you should be aware about, they'll let you know. I I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing where this site goes. And it's owned by a black woman who's doing it. And they've been getting a lot of traction. That's it. And I, I just like that. I like the features of it. I like that I don't have to create a whole new shelf for books that I abandon. It just allows me to do that. I love that it's easy for me to find books and it updates. Like it actually searches for books properly. When I'm going Goodreads, it I, I can type the exact title out and I'm fighting to find the book. And yeah. I like That's it. I, it's just in beta so far, but I really like it. So, yeah. 
say all of this to say that I need to go on Storygraph to find out what my review for She Would Be King is because I don't remember my review for it. I'm hoping to jog my memory. But yeah, you guys should totally check out Storygraph. I really like it. Yeah, I'm actually Um, on it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to check it Um, out. It's still in beta, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. And should try getting her on the podcast to talk to her about why she decided to do this and what it's what's it like. Yeah. I wonder what made her. Yeah, so she would like be this. king. The moods for it is the community thinks that it's sixty-two percent an adventurous book. It's challenging, it's emotional, it's reflective. And then it goes down. So thirty-seven percent think it's tense. Um only 25% think it's hopeful, 12% thinks it's far, it's sad, it's medium paced. And you get all of these really cool stats. So are there lovable characters in it versus complicated characters or just no lovable characters at all? Is it more plot driven or character driven? Is there a diverse cast of characters? Are there any flaws with the characters center stage? Like all of this. I'm just like this sounds yes. so detailed. Please give me so good. more data. <laughs> like I feel like it's it's it sounds like one of those things that would be really good if you're trying to figure out what you want to read but you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um so if you're in the mood for something that's really light or if you're in the mood for something that has I don't know, a very devastating or traumatic plot. Yeah. I, I really that. like it. And then it's just like it breaks down like there's a find a book thing where it's just like these are the books we're recommending to you based on what you want to read or based on books you're reading and the stuff they've recommended to me since i've started using it have been great um it suggests books from your to read pile it suggests books that you own that you haven't read yet because there's that option to do that um yeah I, i like it i like it a lot so far now you see, I'm on it right now and it looks really good. I like the recommendations um, part of it. And um, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of like when you're listening to something on a whatever music platform you use and it just recommends you another song and you're like, oh, this fits the vibe of this and it just continues. Is it like that? Or it, mm-hmm. it sounds like that? It sounds like it's like that. Yeah, I, I think that's a great comparison, really. Because it's not just recommending. What I also don't like about Goodreads is, and I noticed this with books that don't have a lot of people reading it. So I remember reading this weird physics book thing and I, I marked it as, like I, I read it and I liked it. And then the books that it was suggesting in the corner of that physics books were books that I would have read. But they have absolutely nothing to do with that topic at all. It was like, read this poetry book. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> so you notice something is off with the algorithms that they're using. And that's and really lazy for me in yeah. 2020. Like, I could accept this when it just started. But in 2020, our algorithms have progressed way more. You should be able to do better recommendations than just this person read this. So they might like this as well. I, I, I like one of the challenges that they have where it's a translated fiction book 
and they have a whole bunch of different languages um, of books that were translated from this language, um, like books translated from Japanese, Norwegian, Italian, all sorts of other books. That's really cool. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's cool. Thanks, yeah. this, thanks for this recommendation, Jaren. So this looks cool. sick. Right. I I would I I am definitely not the type of person to do any sort of ambassadorship, but I would do one for Storygraph because I am looking forward to more graphs and data that they're going to come up with. And I think the trigger warnings are so important when it comes to books. I noticed that some publishers have been doing that now. At the front of books, they'll tell you they'll have content warning and trigger warnings in it. Most recently, oh, really? I saw it in Grown. I'm forgetting Tiffany's last name right now, which is bad. Tiffany Jackson. Um, so it has the content warnings on the first page, so you know what you're getting into. And I think that's so important, especially for people who have serious issues with certain topics that just appear in books, especially if you're not sure that it's coming. Yeah. Especially for books like I guess grown like Tiffany Jackson's book, it's a young adult book, so you may not be expecting certain things to be addressed in it. Yeah, I think well, that's you should good. because yeah. As um especially with young adult books, because I feel like some um they do not all, but some do use very heavy themes or potentially traumatic theme so it would be really good to have that on the front so as you said people mm. know what to sort of expect while going in and i'm even thinking like uh, young adults if you you don't even if, even if you don't have the vocabulary for what it is yet and you realize when i read these types of books i feel like crap <laughs> And yeah, yeah right. oh. I feel really uncomfortable <laughs> and I'm not sure how to process I'm this. not sure or I'm not even sure why. Why? And right. then you go, oh, like this is what this thing is dealing with. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I I can't see information being a bad thing, especially in this context. So yeah. I know there are authors that refuse to put trigger warnings on some of their work and I find that why is that? Is it because they think um, it'll ruin the plot or... Life doesn't have trigger warnings. Ah, all right. And I'm just like, yeah, but I'm reading a book. <laughs> like, this is a life. <laughs> I don't know. I find, yeah, I find it intensive because I'm like, okay. So, especially if they're writing memoirs. I remember Roxane Gay had a whole essay as to why she doesn't do trigger warnings. And uh, if you've read Roxane Gay, you know... Roxanne Gay books should always come with trigger warnings. Um, but she said, like, because a lot of it, she said it's because a lot of her books are based a lot on her life experiences, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still for other people's consumption. Like, if you don't need trigger warnings because it's your life, well, your readers need it. It's not their lives. They don't know what's going to come. So I, I find it a bit insensitive when writers choose, like actively choose not to do trigger and content warnings. I think it's different from when you might need a trigger and content warning and you didn't even think about it because it's just so normalized to you or you weren't thinking about it in that sense versus deliberately saying, mm -mm, I'm not doing it. 
For sure. And I mean, on other bodies of artwork, you have trigger warnings or advisory warnings when you're watching a movie. You say, okay, well, that's why you have ratings when you have... Um, when you're listening to an album, there is parental advisory or some sort of advisory to say that this is content that is graphic. And I mean, while trigger warnings go into more detail and it's it's more than just, oh, well, parents, children shouldn't be listening to this. That's good. It's always good to just elevate the type of warnings that we give people when they decide to consume content. So I don't know what's up with authors who don't want to do that. And it really doesn't take anything away from it. I can't readily see how it detracts from people possibly enjoying your book. It's not necessarily going to limit the number of persons who would buy your book, who would engage it. So really, I don't think that it takes anything away from you to just add that little thing so that people know, all right, so if I'm going to read this book, I know that this particular topic is going to be addressed i know that this particular event will pop up in the book um even if it's something that's triggering to me personally it just means that i'll prepare myself or not read it which is also a very valid option but having that choice is also really good yeah oh look at all these tangents (laughs) is that not what we do We talk about books and just about everything else. So what have you guys been reading, if you've been reading anything? Well, I know Jerry and you have, but I'm not sure about Ashley. My reading habits are up and down. But yeah, Ashley, what have you been reading? Um, Hi. So for some reason... Okay, so backstory. I haven't been able to read for a while I think the last book that I read in its entirety was um, The Sun is No, I was about to say The Sun is Down, so I started, but that's not the name of the book. It has Star in it, though. Star Side of Bird Hill. Um, and then I've, like, I've taken up books and kind of like read on and off, but I restarted Crick Crack. And I don't know, I know I've read this book already, but there's something about this book that just feels like home to me. <laughs> and uh, I realize that I, if I'm in any sort of reading slump, it's really hard for me to read a novel and uh, a story, a collection of stories is always the best way for me to get out of a slump. Because I started to read Half of a Yellow Sun and I just couldn't get into it. Uh, and... Uh, I mean, I don't know why. I just, it wasn't grabbing me or it wasn't like keeping my attention. And so now I started reading Kukak again and uh, I love it. And I remember why I love the book. I love Edwige Danticat. And uh, I, I'm, I'm also the type of person who, I'm the type of person, if I like a song, I'm going to listen to the same song a hundred times. Like you would not want to be in the car with me driving to country. I mean, I'll try to diversify it for somebody else. But if I'm in the car by myself, I have no problem listening to the same song for an hour. So rereading the the same book more than once or several times is not a big deal for me because I just love to reread content that I know that I like because I... And while that, that that might seem as limiting to some people, for me... I get to engage with it in a different way because the first time I read that book, I was in, 
I was taking a literature class at UWE with Pisces um, Samaj, the same person we shouted out earlier with her um, podcast for posterity and posterity, sorry, posterity, right? For posterity. Is that it? Yeah, it's posterity. Okay. I loved it. It was my first introduction to, not to her as an, an author. I mean, I've heard about her work before, but I never read it. So it was my first time reading it, and I really loved it. And uh, I, at the time, I think uh, I had borrowed a book from the Yuri Library when I was reading it. And then Bookland was having this massive sale, and I saw that they had Cricket there and some other stuff by her. So I got I got all the books that they had by her. So I have to read My Brother I'm Dying or Brother I'm Dying. And there's one other book that I think I got from her, but I can't remember what the title is. But I don't know, I just always come back to Cricket because the stories are beautiful, but they're also really sad. And I don't know why I gravitate towards sadness. And I don't know, I just, I just, it's just, uh, I, I like stories that are heavy and uh, that uh, have like, pain is not the word, but it also is the word. It sounds bad, but uh, the characters are just going through some shit, man. And uh, I don't know, it just resonates with me. And I like to see the different types of shit that people go through in their lives. And uh, um, yeah, Kirkak does that beautifully while capturing it from a Caribbean perspective. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, almost all the stories, not all of them, but almost all of them in the anthology are told from a female point of view. So that's sick too. I just, I just like that. Yeah, so that's what I'm reading right now. Um, my reading's been all over the place over the last couple of months. Uh, but I just started reading again. I, I don't even think I'm reading at the same pace I used to. Uh, but I'm reading a book that I, I I recently got out of. I've been in and out of many reading slumps, and Talia Hubert has been great for that. Um. Her, what's her recent book called? Um, Take a Hint. Yeah, Take, Take a, a Hint, Hint Danny yeah. Brown. So I read Take a Hint, Danny Brown in one day, and that was so good. Because I, I love doing that. I love when I can get out of a reading stone uh-huh. with like one good book that I can just finish right. in one go or like two days max. Um, so that was great. I think Talia Hibbert is perfect in her writing it's definitely not heavy it's definitely light it feels like you know if there was a hallmark movie that was a book but it's not cheesy and there's diverse characters and it's like you feel good watching it Mm -hmm. but then you're reading it and you actually are learning things and and the characters are actually emotionally intelligent and it's actually part. well written. Oh. It's actually well written, unlike a Hallmark movie. But at the same time, it's that same feel of when people say Hallmark movie, that feel. That's her books, but yeah. it's down to earth. I don't know how to describe that. I mean, you but definitely yeah, described it very well. <laughs> so I really like it. 
<laughs> well, I love it. And her third book comes out in February 2021, I think, or March. Sometime in spring, end of winter-ish. That's when her third book comes out in the Brown Sister series. So I I, I enjoyed that. Um, and book that this I'm sister re- is supposed oh. to be neurodivergent too. So that's exciting. Yeah. I, I like I like how she deals with um different uh what usually are this book features a XYZ character, whereas right. the character has um uh whether physical disability or neurodivergence or something like that, it's not who it's not their entire being. It's part of who they are but that's not what the story is about like I think it's great to have stories that are based on identities but at the same time I don't need every single story to be identity based like that can be part of their identity and we still have a different story we can still have a love story that isn't centered around that specific thing and they can have actual personalities like um, I think people assume that um people with disabilities, people with chronic illnesses, people who are neurodivergent, they just don't have personalities. They're just existing as uh, this shell of a person or something. Right? So Danny Brown is like smart and witty and rude and kind of cranky at times. And I love that. Yeah. And the first sister, the older sister, she has a chronic illness. Chloe, right. She has a chronic illness. Um, so she's constantly in pain, but she's also really smart. She She's also a nerd. She loves computers. She loves building sites. Mm-hmm. She She's just really cute. She's a person, like a whole person. A whole human it's not being. Just, I have a chronic illness and this is my book about how mm-hmm. I get there. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's spaces for those books, but at the same time, you know, a breather. and it can be a little dehumanizing i think i don't know if that's a word i think um, i definitely think it can be yeah it can be really dehumanizing when it's um, the whole single story thing yeah Yeah. has that nice speech about (laughs) they're actual people they're people with dreams people with hopes people with hobbies people with dislikes people who are rude and snobby people who are um sweet they're people. They're people with a range of personalities, um, personality traits. They're actual people who enjoy things, and it's really dehumanizing and actually quite awful to write their story just based on um, their disability. It's kind of like how um, writing about characters that are fat, you base the entire plot on the fact that they're fat thinking that you're doing something when really what you're doing is foolishness oh my god there's a freaking lizard in my room jesus christ oh god Whew. okay um <laughs> well i guess we can wrap up the podcast wow <laughs> okay it's small but jesus um oh my god okay I'm, I know I can power through still. It's moving. It's moving. It's moving. Okay. Wow. 
All right, so I'm not deathly afraid of it because it's tiny, but suppose it stays and grows, like, and suppose it gets in all my clothes and Jesus Christ. You know, I'm just, I can feel... Let's not go there just yet. Okay. Yo, lizards are just disrespectful. First of all, they just shit on your walls and uh, they're just uh, gross. I don't like... Anyway, I watch a lot of YouTube content and uh, I realize that the people that I follow... And I need to interrogate why I follow certain people because there's this whole thing, you know, the YouTube algorithm is just going to push content and content similar to what you watch even just one time or they would recommend channels that they think you should be watching. And um, there is uh, not a lot of mainstream representation of uh, people of color black people specifically queer people specifically um creators and so i try to i try to well i've been i've been following some really interesting creators who i just love theirs yeah i mainly watch youtube for like fashion videos and there's this this one like girl woman there her name is and i get dressed and her thing is amazing and her channel is all about fat woman in fashion and her style is just freaking impeccable and uh, I don't know I've just been trying to do more of that where yeah you you get you can it's easy for you to get drowned out by people who just uh, look and act and just behave just like you or people you aspire to be and then you forget all the voices and all the voices are just as great if not a lot of times much better and so I just wanted to drop that in real quick. Uh, the book I started today is very different from anything I've read recently. And it's a cooking book, actually. I got it at Bookan. It's traditional Jamaican cookery. And it's written in, I think it was published in the 80s. Is it by Enid Donaldson? Is it maybe Pardon? is it by her last the 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 last name is Donaldson? Mm -mm. Oh, it's published in 1985 by Norma Ben Bengate. Oh, I'm definitely sure I'm pronouncing this wrong. Uh, but it's something I complain about a lot, especially when I eat out at restaurants. Is our obsession with fine dining being almost and directly opposed to Jamaican food. Or what we do is we take European ideas of fine dining and we add oxtail to it or we add curry goat oh to it. Oh my god. <laughs> so and and it annoys me so much because I feel That's like so we true. have unintentionally halted Jamaican food. Like we've almost frozen it. So we haven't we haven't developed it recently. Um, and that makes me really sad because I feel like our cuisine is, it is just so much history in it. And it feels like we've, because of our rejection, especially the rejection of people who have the money to experiment and create new identities with our cuisine and popularize it. The obsession of the middle class to have a lot of pasta 
has stopped us from doing some very cool wow. things and nothing is wrong with I was just nothing is Jerry, wrong with Jerry, I was just about to be like just Lego my shirt yo <laughs> but my, my concern is that the Alfred of pasta I, 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 I I wouldn't stoop as low to eat Alfredo pasta, but no, that's like the only no. thing that everybody serves. I, yeah, it is. Yeah, well, that's the thing too, right? So like we, like we serve like two versions of pasta: tomato <laughs> pasta and Alfredo so pasta. That's the thing. And then so, we'll come charge you three thousand dollar and oh four and I'll, and with shrimp for five or some sh- crazy price like that. Yeah. So I, I saw the book and I just got very excited about it because there is a part in the introduction where she starts off by talking about like different foods that they would get at the market in, well, what used to be the capital at the time that she wrote this Spanish town and how she didn't, like it wasn't until she started eating out, like eating at other people's houses and stuff that she realized that a lot of the Jamaican food and a lot of Creole food, as she calls it, is looked down upon. And 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 it's just interesting to me because there's a lot of the things that I would have experienced where for me, so she talks about foods that's deemed as slave food and how historically actually so she makes reference to lady nugent diary and a few other journals that would have been published referencing food a lot of what is considered um creole food or creole cooking techniques was something that white plantation owners enjoyed here in jamaica um so not necessarily the type of meats that we would eat because they actually deliberately tried to have us not eat fresh meat and not know what that tastes like. We always had salted meat um, as, as people that were enslaved. But the techniques that enslaved people cooked with and the ingredients that they would use when they're preparing food for white people was something that was really enjoyed. And it wasn't until white locals and also the tourist industry happened in Jamaica. This is her interpretation of it. Also of the, oh, here's the line. Two factors led to the denigration of cook, Creole cooking. The first was the emergence of the tourist industry and offshoot of the continent. Oh, an offshoot of the banana industry, which was based on the misguided concept that continental food was necessary to attract a rich clientele. And blah, blah, blah. She talks a bit about English and American food. And then later, the emerging brown and black middle class, as is always the case with those newly enjoined social mobility, outwardly despised many aspects of their own culture, which tied them to their past. In front of foreigners, they appear to reject indigenous food, yet they still all ate Creole cooking at home. And she wrote this a while back. And I still think that happens today. And then she jokes, uh, well, she not really jokes, but she makes fun of people who, when they travel abroad, then they end up spending like tons of money to try to get Jamaican type food. And she makes reference to, I didn't know about this. Um, So Jamaicans would make a version of foreign apple pie using chocho and lime. Yeah. Did you guys know about that? I've had that. Yeah. It's good. I didn't know. So it sounds good. Like 
I don't know, no, lying and chocho. That's so nice. So she jokes about that where people would use used to make foreign apple pie from the lovely chocho and lime juice. Some Jamaicans abroad now make chocho pie from apples. So she jokes about that whole thing in terms of how we look down upon our food. And it's nice because it, it's it's the history of from Taino food to, well, her version of nowadays type food and how a lot of the food either gets mixed into what we consider Jamaican food. Like we can't, like curry goat is something that we see as Jamaican food. Um, even though we know that's not where it's from, we if you go to a Jamaican cook shop, curry goat being on the menu isn't obscure, but a lot of Chinese food hasn't really integrated into what we consider Jamaican food. We still say Chinese food. <laughs> so it, it's a nice book. It blends two of my favorite things, um, food and history, and their recipes in there. I actually cooked something from it today for lunch, and it was nice. And I love the way she writes the recipes because they aren't written in huge detail. Like she gives you measurements, but she warns you that the measurements aren't really, you know, measurements. It's just a guide. Mm -hmm. And the instructions feel like a Jamaican kind of telling you what to do, but it's written well enough that if you're not Jamaican, you get it. So that's the unusual book that I'm reading. And I'm really enjoying it because it's history and it's food and it's local. And it's something that I really wished existed. So once I saw it, I was like, you know what? What, does, what do the young people say? They manifested it into being? Did I manifest <laughs> this book from the past to land in Hookland? Yes, it's the did. only copy yes, available. <laughs> Claim it, sis. Claim yeah. it. <laughs> But I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. I, I'm not finished. Um, I, I'm just reading. So the, it's divided into different parts from appetizers, soups, desserts, blah, 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 blah. And she gives like an introduction and history and the type of ingredients when they got to Jamaica. And it's nice. There's some recipes in there that I know of. There's some that obviously I would have had before. And then there are others that I just don't know at all. And I'm hoping to just cook my way through this book. There are two people I can think of who would enjoy this book. Um, one, Javante, and then the other is Ota Ite. I won't say her actual name. I um, don't remember her actual name, but I actually meant to send it to her today. Yeah, Because it's something that we enjoy. DM each other about. Yeah. And I can't <laughs> like... wait for her to come out with a cookbook because... Yes. I need her to start yes. a cooking club. Yes. I mean... I would I probably wouldn't eat some of the combinations because my palate is awful. But she comes up with the most interesting to me ideas and she uses and a lot of her um ingredients or yeah, ingredients is Jamaican food. And sometimes some of the things that people consider to be um what would you call it? The worst parts. Of the of the meat, the throwaways. She does the most amazing to them. Yeah, the innards and so on. She comes up with the most amazing and out of this world ideas, and I'd love to see that somewhere. Because <laughs> to me, like when Jorin was talking about um, the sort of death of Jamaican cuisine, she was the first person that came to mind as somebody who 
one has been talking about that very same thing, just about the laziness of um, Jamaican restaurants, especially the ones that have been popularized. Just uh, them not being creative at all with Jamaican food. And just uh, add some oxtail to it. Yeah, just, just add some make, oxtail. Make something from, it's not even it. like good French food, but just make basic fucking French food and then add oxtail to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's your Jamaicanized version of it. So yeah, I think Whereas, she... I don't know. But I, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to this and I'm looking forward to going through this and I'm looking forward to Otaiti starting her cooking club. I tell her, just start a club and do like a five ingredients or list type club where every week or at least once a month we have the five basic ingredients everybody can get and we create a dish and we do something. I, I think that'd be so cool or something like that. I would love that so much. But I, I love the history of it. And yeah, I think it's something that I, I want us to explore because food is amazing. And someone said it to me that Jamaicans love them belly, but them don't love food. So we love eating, but we don't love experimenting. We don't love trying new things. And I think that's, I think that's so, so sad true. and so true. Yeah. I remember taking home some um, Indian food to my mother, some chicken tikka masala, and she was so weirded out by it. Even though I explained to her that it's curry, she's like, "No, Sam, I don't want that." I'm like, "All right." Yeah, man. We we love our belly, so we'll have KFC every day, yeah, and lots of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, a lot of the food that we have yeah. decided to consume a lot, especially fast food that we stand, is not even good. And the companies that run these, these um, or the people that run the companies that we are so ride or die for, they're not even like they're not ethical. They they treat their workers poorly, and I don't know. We were having this discussion recently, not me and you, me and some other friends. Um, about how KFC Jamaica treated um, their workers during the early parts of the COVID-19 pandemic and how, you know, like a lot of companies here, they weren't uh, going to be paying their staff for um, for working or for not working. They're not going to give them any sort of paid break. And a lot of people were saying that, yo, you make so much money off of Jamaicans. Why are you so mean at this critical time and while we can all acknowledge that uh, this is uh, a bad situation or what that's an awful decision that they've made as a company we're still going crowd up the line every single day not even like a special day just like just for like a, a zingo and I, I mean personally I don't see the appeal I'm not saying that I don't like KFC or I've, I've never enjoyed KFC but for somebody to say them have to eat KFC every single week or multiple times for the week, I don't get why. It just is not that great to me. But how you treat your workers is really... Jamaicans love KFC, you know? And I don't understand why. I don't understand why. I don't... Personally, I don't think it's the best fast food that we have here. And also, it's not the cheapest. It's not like... I don't get it. It's not like their branding or their marketing is super great. They don't give any sort of extra 
donations or any sort of extra monetary service to people like I, I don't know I don't get it I don't get it um but yeah I'm looking back in the book and there's a whole section on making sweeties oh that's that's cool really fun Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, history and food and things that you probably won't see in a book club list. <laughs> Those That's are the definitely two a Jerry book, right though. Now. That's definitely a it Jerry book. Totally is. Like, I just saw it and I was like, <gasps> the gods have heard my cry. <laughs> Can we wrap up soon? I don't want to pee. Hopefully, they hear you cry. <laughs> Hopefully they hear you cry with the Kai Miller book. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. And big up Institute of Jamaica and National Library all the time. I love I There's so many history books where it's just like, thank you to all the librarians there. And I'm just <laughs> like, yes. So uh, a lot of this book is bigging up IOJ and stuff for recording and keeping a lot of our history. It was really nice talking to you guys again in this fashion. Yeah. It's nice catching up with you guys. Time really flies once we have the text of Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm excited for this year to end, so I'm happy to be in September. But it was nice seeing you guys. Do people realize that like when the year ends, it's still going to We still going to be in this shit. Like, it doesn't just end that we say, whew, okay, we're back to normal now. <laughs> like, January 1st, 2021, we have so many Maybe it's COVID the feeling. Deaths. Maybe it's the feeling, that New Year feeling that um, fills you with hope that everything will be all right until March hits and you're like, huh, maybe not. <laughs> and this is the first year people have actually been happy that January was a thing. Mm-hmm. Everything was so nice in January. I mean, not really. Uh, Thank God I hate everything. (laughs) Really, Ashley? Everything The world ended in in March. The world started (laughs) to end from... We've just been living in hell since then. That just reminds me of a really nice... uh, I think it's uh, Ursa Ward quote, or maybe it's Nahir or Wahid, when it talks about... Essentially, it says something like, People talk about their world ending, um, but the world has ended and started for me many times. And uh, I remember that quote recently when I was in a weird brooding mood. And um, yeah, just that just reminded me of that. This year was just from jump was just bad in my opinion. It's amazing how none of us saw it coming. Yeah. Not to t- and not in this like intensity. Well, even though that one doctor from China been telling people, yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. that quote you just said reminds me of a quote in the fifth season, like to a part of the book that I actually have gone to stopped. Um, when we say the world has ended, it's usually a lie because the planet is just fine. But this is the way the world ends. Ooh. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends for the last time. So, yeah. For those Snaps who haven't started fingers. fifth season. Right? N.K. Jemison is amazing. So, yeah. For those who haven't started fifth season, it's about the planet. 
ending as you can tell it's a climate change type of mm-hmm. sci-fi dystopian book so the world is actually ending and yeah I'm gonna continue that tonight um as you talk about climate change I was watching the news earlier today and the scientists have decided to put up a climate change countdown clock in Times Square or somewhere in New York. Doomsday. Yeah, basically. So we have seven years before the um the world the climate no, they <laughs> before the climate changes to a place or gets to a place where the changes are irreversible. So that they have seven years. We're in the All Caribbean. Developing states looking at them like <laughs> seven. It's years. it's faster for us. I don't remember how many years, but it's faster than seven years. I think Pretty it's sure. four three or five years. or three. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing some ridiculous numbers. I was like, yeah, yeah. So it, it's seven years for them. In, I, think in... I remember some article saying twenty twenty three. Yeah, I saw that as well. So thank you all for listening and. I don't remember what I normally say. Um, share, subscribe. Right. Um, pay for Patreon. So subscribe, like like the stuff on our social media page. Subscribe to the podcast. If you do enjoy it, share it with whosoever nerdy friends you may have. And you can support the podcast by joining our Patreon. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm forgetting stuff. But no, that'd be <laughs> Did fine. Do you usually say anything else? Um, maybe check out the library. You always want Ooh, to check yes, out if you're in Jamaica, you can check out the library. If you're anywhere in the world, you can check out the bookstore. And we have a YouTube channel that needs updating. But by the time you hear this, it'll definitely be updated. So, yeah. All right, bye. 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 See you at book club.